Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Shit, there's so much to talk about that I don't I can't even do an intro for no, yeah, this new episode to too. of playing around. <laughs> I'm in a bad mood. And I think we all know why. I could <laughs> never guess. I could never guess why you're in a, a mood. You know? So the Steelers lost last night to the Browns, and it was it wasn't like a, a good game or really even a close game. No. It was sweet that the Browns were honoring OBJ and absolutely shitting on the Steelers, but it was an embarrassment. An embarrassment. The Browns didn't even have half their team. They didn't have their head coach there. No, they don't even have a head coach there. <laughs> Before the game, everyone's like, I mean, everything is stacked against the Browns. Like, it's going to be a miracle if they win. And then three seconds into the game, touchdown. Okay. Touchdown. The fumble. Like, it was it wasn't even minute one, it was second one. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, uh, oh, so that's how this game's gonna go. Okay, like I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> and not only that, it was like then a minute later, another touchdown, and then another touchdown, and there was just no momentum from the Steelers right off the bat. I think if that fumble didn't happen in the very first play, the game could have been potentially I agree. different. I agree. Because momentum's huge. And once you have it on your side, you run with it and you go. But I will say after the first half, they got back into it slightly. There was a little bit, a glimmer of hope for the Steelers, but then the Browns just shut them down. Shut them down. Do you believe that it's, do you think it was more Steelers making mistakes? Or do you think like the Browns defense was that solid? Do you believe their offense was that solid? Or do you think it was more just like the Steelers didn't have it? The Steelers didn't have it. I mean, the last five games that they've had, even the one win, they were blown out in the first first half so it's not even right. like they've been playing well and i blame it on juju oh juju, my do i do not talk shit before the game we saw what happened when you were dancing Browns on the Browns. other team's logo and you just got annihilated on the field and then you're coming out and saying this why would you say that why would you say that I, like, can't tell if this just, like, is what fuels him. Like, is he just that person where, like, 
whether if I'm being mocked, at least like I'm in your brain. So I'm like winning. Like I can't tell if like that's his tactic or if he's just honestly like, I love to dance and then I'm going to do this. And then, oh, this is kind of embarrassing. Like everyone's literally mocking me or I can't like, I think he genuinely loves it. I think he's like, oh, you're doing, you know, the Corvette Corvette now. Like, well, cool. Like I started that. So technically I, like I still own you and your dance moves. You know what I mean? But you can't speak on behalf of the entire team. And that was the yeah. problem. And especially when the offense is so garbage. But here's what is bothering me about Juju is when he first came in, he was kind of like this young kid, so excited, motivated, hardworking. Yeah. And you had all the distractions with Le'Veon and AB. And everyone was like, Juju is going to be better than them. And they're not going to be another AB situation. But that's what's happening again. You have Juju almost acting like AB. And I feel bad for Tomlin because even they got into it a little bit and they had the whole team you know, Puddle was like, Juju stopped dancing on the other team's logo, like, before <laughs> games. It's, like, not that smart. But I feel bad because I really like Juju. I thought, you know, he's been doing a lot for the community in Pittsburgh. Yeah. He seems like a really great kid, and it's almost he's transitioning into what AB is become, and that's really, really scary for me because we don't need that diva attitude on the team anymore. And I know. it's like, I get social media, and I am – I love when athletes can use social media to elevate their brand, but I almost feel like he cares more about that than winning football games and focusing on what he's doing. And if you can do that and balance playing, then great, more power to you. But I don't think that's happening. I think it's become a bit of a distraction for the team. Not only that, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger's old as fuck. Like, bro is, can't move. He can't is he move. done? Is he done? I'll be really disappointed if the Steelers Same. go into next season with Ben as their quarterback. They need to move on. And I feel bad for Mike Tomlin because a lot of people are calling for him to be fired. And I don't think that this is on Mike Tomlin. I think he's doing the best that he can with <laughs> what he has. And Ben is just not the same old Big Ben that we know and love. He can't, he literally cannot move, Tori. Like, I told you this before, he's like moving in slow motion. It's like he's in quicksand. He's just like sinking every step that he takes. And it's like you look at a Lamar Jackson who can right. run and move, and it's like, he can't do that. He's old. Like, but, go to your nursing home, retire in peace with your millions of dollars, and get the hell out of Pittsburgh. But you say that, but there's still what were they like 12 and four or or 10 and four or something like that like he still played great this season it's but just like the team counts, lost though. it but never when it counts it, he's good when his body's healthy and he's fresh but then as the season goes on you can see that he literally can't move from being constantly hit because he can't get out of the pocket so his body's broken down and so as the season progresses he can never either he gets injured or he is just so sore and beat up that he can't play football anymore they need to move on and it's sad because it's like i don't want mason rudolph on our team either like our our other quarterbacks aren't great so it's like what do we do now what do we do this was our best shot i think from how they started and gave us so much hope and just disappointment all around last game was so hard to watch so hard to watch <laughs> i mean everyone i think is kind of mourning i mean also like we have to give props to the browns like welcome back since 1994 like it's been a minute since we've had you in the playoffs right now. I fucking hate the Browns. I hate them so much. And it kills me because I do like Baker Mayfield. I think that he works so hard. He cares yeah. a lot about what he does. And so I 
part of me hates the Browns and I never want them to be successful, but part of me is also happy that Baker has kind of overcome the controversy. Yeah, it's the underdog and story. It's exactly. the underdog I mean, story. People have definitely given him a really hard time. Right. Like, he has... A, you know, a ton of abuse has been thrown his way, and to see yeah. him be successful, I, I do commend that for him, but I, I hate the Browns. So from this point forward, for the rest of the season, I am a Bills fan. Okay. I am part of Bills Mafia. Give me a fucking table to break. Like, I Josh am all Allen, for the Bills. man. Also, I would love to see you break a table. I might have to. I might have to. So I would we'll love that. <laughs> if they go to the Super Bowl, not even win it. If they just go to the Super Bowl, you have to crush a white table. But honestly, can we just get props? Like, Josh Allen. Like, what a freaking stud. He just plays football. He, like, he just goes out there and he just is fearless on the field. It and is so much fun, fun to watch him play. Yeah. Yes. It yeah. is so much fun to watch him play football compared to Ben who can't move and he's <laughs> You can't crying. hate on your team like this. I hate like, them this so is your much. Life. This is like your second father. You can't just be like, you're old dad. I hate you. It's like, hey, dad let's talk about our next steps are you good like he's gonna come back he can't end on this note first of all his next steps are gonna be with a walker with tennis balls on on the bottom of it I mean he is done he needs to get out I love him I respect him for everything that he's done but his time has come I mean the fat lady is singing let's just like move on Get out of here. We we don't want it anymore. When he, you know how bad it is. I'm a very sympathetic person, and <laughs> are you? <laughs> despite are you? what I, despite what I say, I I care deeply, and I don't like to see people fail. But this is how you know that I'm over it. He was crying after they lost, and I felt nothing. I was really numb. that numb. got me. I was like, I get it. I yeah. We got it next to- year, and I'm not even a Steelers fan. <laughs> It's it's time for him to go. I'm sorry. But, okay, sorry. We're jumping back and forth. But speaking of, you know, now your team, the Bills, Colts. Like, Phil Rivers. He just doesn't have it. Oh, my God. He's so old. Someone said that <laughs> the next game where the Colts play the Bucks is going to be played on the History Channel. <laughs> <laughs> I should be dying laughing. How but, old is he? Uh, he's in his 40s. No. I'm oh, looking yeah. this up. I'm oh, looking no. this up. He, he's an old one. Old one. But they should have Philip Rivers play on the Nickelodeon channel, though. Did you see that? Did you watch any of the games they had on Nickelodeon? No. What? So they broadcast one of the games on the Nickelodeon channel, and it was actually so much fun. So when there was a touchdown, slime would go. Oh, and- yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and they had the co- – it was really cool, too, because the commentators were explaining it as if kids were watching it for the first time. So they were talking about, like, what's what's a first down and what's this and why they did that, and it was really interesting to listen to it. The only critique yeah. that I had was that they had two male commentators and then one female, and the female knew absolutely nothing so it kind of wasn't great for that image wasn't great for that because they're like what do you think she's like it's lit I love it and I'm like oh no but it was really cool to see that they're doing something different trying to get you know younger viewers involved and it was fun to watch the only (laughs) bad thing that happened is someone dropped an f-bomb on Nickelodeon wait when was it a player (laughs) they were talking about a penalty and in the background you just heard like fuck (laughs) You know, oh, I think it's a good 
no. learning moment no. for these children to, you no know. No one needs to learn that word. It's like all of us who say it, we're like, I wish I didn't cuss that much. Like no Nickel kid is watching Nickelodeon and being like, oh, word of the day. Did you watch Spongebob growing up? I did. Quite dirty looking back on it now. It is. So they had a whole episode on Spongebob learning bad words and they would just throw over like dolphin noises. So I was like, that will be the thing for next time that they do. Or there was like this song that Spongebob did where it was like, F is for fun. Or it was like, F is for friends who do things together. Be like, F is for fuck. Please don't say this. (laughs) It's a learning moment. It's a learning moment for these children. I'm so glad you're not a mom. Anyways, Philip Rivers is 39 (laughs) years old. (laughs) He's not that. Okay, so he's not as old as I thought. And your boy Ben is 38. So that's calling the kettle black right there. (laughs) Uh, Is he only 38? Yeah. He looks like he's like 45, 46. And Aaron is 37. Tom Brady's 43. Drew Brees is 41. The Packers look so good. Packers. They're going. That's, they have it. They have it. So, Tori, like, look at the difference, though, between Ben Roethlisberger and Aaron Rodgers. You, it's not age that's the problem. It's the fact that, like, one can't move and is past its prime and the other one's thriving. I don't know. It's so hard. Once you have Big Ben, you just kind of feel like that's just, like, he's, like, the dad to all literally 15 kids like he's just a good one where I'm like I I, he's like a Drew Brees to me I'm like I kind of want you to play until you can't play and he's still winning he's still winning so for me I say do not retire that's true now that I think about it most of the quarterbacks are on the the older end of the spectrum here but then what's what's this problem why why can't why can't Ben pull it together that's what I'm talking about but let's talk about the picks for yeah. Next week, because we have a lot of good games. This is, this is, I just feel like I'm already in my Super Bowl right now. Like, this is the, this is why we love sports. Yeah. Okay, we have the Ravens versus the Bills. Well, I mean, I, I gotta go with the Bills now. I'm part of Bills Mafia, so yeah. go Bills. But I will say, Lamar Jackson looked really, really good. He looks when he fantastic. Played his game, and he seems confident. I loved how he was answering his questions in his post-game interview. Um, he was talking about, it was n- never like, I did this. It was all about the team. And when she asked him a question, he directed it back to, like, this is what we're focusing on. This is yeah. positive. I love what I did. It was a team effort. And his mindset is right on. And he looked really, really good. He's another quarterback who kind of has dealt with a lot of criticism this season. Right. And so to see him doing it when it counts, I mean, that's all that matters. You can talk about the start of the season and which teams look better and which ones didn't. But when it counts, the Ravens pulled it out, the Browns pulled it out, and the Steelers didn't. So they're obviously doing something right. Totally. And I will say, like, he's had hype around him since day one, and he has had a big set of shoulders. So yeah. full respect to him. I'm really excited to see both those quarterbacks match up because I think they're both quarterbacks with, like, they can handle that tension and that that intensity. It's going to be a really, really good game. So then the next one is going to be, this is interesting, Browns versus the Chiefs. I, the Chiefs are going to blow them out. What you think? I mean, I, like, think that, too, but I also am, like, if the Browns are winning, like, I would actually just kind of, like, like, the Chiefs already did it. Like, we already know they're a fantastic team that now you're kind of, like, come on, buddies. We got it, you know? 
Well, when you ask that question, do the Browns look that good or the Steelers look that bad? I, I think the Steelers really did look that bad. And uh, yeah. I think you're going to see the difference when they play a quality team like the Chiefs. I mean, you can't. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he's a beast. He yeah. is a freak of nature. And I, I just think they're going to get blown out by the Chiefs. Totally. All right, this is it. The matchup of the daddies. Saints versus the Buccaneers. <laughs> so I, I want to go with the Saints. And it's just because I don't want to see Tom Brady be successful. <laughs> I'm a really sympathetic person. <laughs> I just, I, I like Drew Brees. Same. Uh, he, he, I know he's kind of had some of his controversy as well, um, but I have met him previously. He's really, really nice. I think he handled that also well. He learned from it. He grew from it. Right. And he has become, you know, he seems like a really great teammate, and a lot of his teammates seem to rally around him. I, I like the Saints. They're just a fun team to root for. Their fan base is really awesome. Um, I have a lot of friends who are Bucks fans, but I just, I just don't. Tom Brady's had enough success. Like, let's just. <laughs> spread the love. I don't want to see the Bucks win. I'm going with the Saints. Okay, and then the last but not least, Rams versus the Packers. Oh, the Packers. I mean, it, it's shocking that the Rams pulled out that last win. Okay, but that was a fantastic game. Jared had a broken really thumb. <laughs> like, you yeah. have to give him props. Yeah. I, I mean, the Packers look so good. I know. They, they're so rock solid. They're they're. Like offense to defense, everything is just like it's fun to watch because you're you just like it's ugh, it's like art. I don't know what the Packers are doing, but they are doing it. They make football look easy. Yes, yes, it, that's it, the sentence. And I love the Rams. I loved watching that last game because they fought until the very end, and it was it's fun to watch. You know, it was a, such a fun game to watch. So I hope it's a close game, and I hope the Rams give it their best effort but yeah you all know the Packers are gonna win knock on wood baby <laughs> those are Paige's picks I'm really nervous though because I've never I mean I did this in baseball but I was more doing it for fun I've never hitched my wagon to another team after one of my teams had lost before and I always yeah. felt like I was very lucky and I've said this before on the podcast that anytime I kind of say something or do something good things happen to that team but I'm really worried because I do like the Bills fan base. And when I announced my <laughs> that I will be a part of Bills Mafia, they were very kind, very welcoming. And if they lose, I feel like it's on my shoulders now. Yeah, but they're like, we were I, doing fine until you came around. <laughs> exactly. So it's like if they lose, then I'm bad luck and I can never, ever do that again. And I, all of Bills Mafia is going to hate me. Uh, this actually, like now, I mean, I'm sad we're coming to the end because – with our guests coming on, I was like, we should have created a fantasy football league. We really, so have you done fantasy football before? No, but I want to. I've never done, I've never done it either because I feel like I will get obsessive about it and I'm highly competitive, but we have to do this. We definitely no. have to do this. Oh, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying like, no, Yeah. <laughs> I was doing the California thing where it's like, yeah, no. No, yeah. We both just, like, looked at each other. Like, Literally. Who's going to go next? <laughs> well, it's funny that we're talking about fantasy football because our next guest 
they are the co-founders of Trophy Smack, and they basically create trophies, winning and losing trophies for fantasy leagues, which is such an awesome idea when so you think good. about it. It's and I so love that good. they do the loser trophies too, because that makes it so much better. I would be so comfortable having my full room just decked out with loser trophies. Just what is it about a trophy? It makes things 10 times more competitive. Like people are like, do it a cash in, buy in. I'm like, no, I just want to, I want a gold pretty trophy in my room. Thanks. Well, and these trophies aren't just like small little trophies. They no. are almost like replicas of Super Bowl rings and Super Bowl trophies and so the good. most like outrageous trophies you can think of, which makes it again so much better. So we're going to have Dax and Matt from Trophy Smack on later, but first we have a lot to discuss with golf. Lots has been happening with the golf world, so we're going to discuss that next and then Dax and Matt up after that. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen seems like an easy choice to be columbia pfg has you covered with their Castback tc shoe its omnimax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot say fighting a fish not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet rocking boat so if you're going to be spending long days out on the water and i sincerely hope that you will be head over to columbia.com pfg and shop all their performance fishing gear You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. So excited that golf is back. <laughs> we have the first tournament of the year, the Tournament of Champions at Kapalua. Harris English won at 25 under, but not before doing a one-hole playoff with Joaquin Neiman. I love Joaquin. He is so cute and a great up-and-coming player. He wore matching outfits with Sergio Garcia the final round, but much to come for Joaquin. I think he's going to have a really good year this year, but Harris English, he played so solid the entire time and it was good for him to win. I was really rooting for him. Harris English looks like he just got off from like a three hour surf trip and like throws the shock sign to you. 
He was thriving in Hawaii. I he do was loving. not see him probably as a like golfer. Surfed in the morning and then played golf in the afternoon. Um, I played that course before, and it's gorgeous. It's one of the most beautiful golf courses that I have ever played. And one thing that you don't really see on TV is the elevation changes. So there are massive elevation changes on that golf course, and playing it in person is so much more spectacular than seeing it on TV. It's right on the water, I'm guessing. You can yeah. <laughs> you can see the water from certain holes, especially because of those elevation oh, changes. Okay. So you have some tee boxes that are pretty high, so you have a beautiful view of basically the entire golf course, but it looks like Jurassic Park. There is oh. one drive from one of the tee from tee box to tee box, it's like a five minute drive and it's basically through all of these trees and you don't even like know where you are. It is spectacular. Do the elevation changes like really, like is this actually a hard course then? Because I could imagine your ball having to be at such different speeds at different times. What makes this course hard is when the wind blows and it usually Mm. is pretty windy in Hawaii, but without wind, no, it's not that difficult. When I played it, I shot a couple under and I hit some pretty bad shots in the way that you need to know where to miss on the golf course. So um, there's a lot of slopes. And so if you miss it, let's say right, but you hit the right slope, it's going to funnel right down towards the hole or towards the center of the fairway. So you just really need to know where to miss on this golf course. But I wouldn't say it's that difficult. It's just once you get over the elevation changes and you really need to find your start lines, that's the most important thing. I think a lot of amateur golfers would struggle on this golf course at first because you don't know where you're going. And so you could hit it where you think you're that's straight and you're in the shit. So that's what makes this golf course hard. But for these pros, it was very gettable. And you could see that by the scores. I mean, 25 under, it's, (laughs) that's pretty good. (laughs) I mean, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah that's what uh-huh. I was gonna say yeah 25 under I just I, I honestly got distracted because I saw uh 69 Kapula for 469 and then I was like oh I wonder what that is <laughs> such a child story such a I child. know I know so we had some fun storylines this week and we'll talk about this before we get into uh the big controversy that happened with Justin Thomas but Scotty Scheffler he he broke his three wood that he has had since 2011. Insane. No one has clubs for that long except for three woods. There is something weird about a three wood. Once you find a three wood that works for you, you never change it. Because it's not a club like a driver where you need to hit it as far as you possibly can. With a three-wood, you mostly just need to hit it consistently because it's a great alternative off the tee instead of a driver if your driver's going kind of hayward. Or it's for a par five when you're trying to reach in two, and you mostly need to hit it like a certain distance. So most people have three-woods for years and years and years, and it's so hard to find a great three-wood because you need to hit it off the tee, but you also need to hit it off the ground. So I feel so bad for him that he doesn't have his three-wood anymore because that is devastating. Losing your three-wood or breaking a three-wood that you've had for such a long time is like losing a family member or like losing your dog. Like it is the drama, (laughs) the drama. Wait, but you said since 2003, 2011. Oh, 2011. Yeah. He's had it since 2011 since high school. That's so crazy to me. Cause I hear like 2011. I'm like, Oh, so he's had it like for a few years, but I'm like, Oh no, 
That's 10 it's years. Like, isn't that insane? That was I know, 10 I think years ago. <laughs> so Nike VR Pro. Um, and that's crazy. So we've had it literally since high school, college, and then pros. And so this club has been with him that entire time. Do you have something like that in your bag? I have, no, I have all pretty much new stuff in my bag. I've had these clubs probably the longest, um, that I've had since I started getting fit and getting new sets of clubs. Um, the problem with me is that I have been with a couple different club companies. So I was with Callaway and then also with PXG. And so once you're with a club company, you usually have to switch your bag out to that entire brand. I would say I did have a three wood for four, four or five years in my bag and I never wanted to switch it. And always when I go with a new club company, I'm always worried about the three wood the most because again, it's that, that's that one club that is so tricky to, it has to do so many different things and it's already kind of a difficult club for most people to hit. So once you find a good three wood, one of my pros growing up, he had a three wood since like the eighties. Like he's had oh, really? three wood in his back the for 80s? such a long time. Yeah, and it was like this big. I love that. It was it was pretty gnarly looking, but he's had it for such a long time. So it, it's just funny that like that's that one club. That and probably your putter, the putter you can have forever. Those are like the two clubs that if anything happens to those, they're, they're, they're literally like your babies. They're irreplaceable, especially your putter because it's like all about confidence and same with the three wood. So right. I, I really feel for him, but I'm sure he'll get something just, just as good and just as nice. Not to keep call- talking about like clubs. I had to think of the word. But like it does fascinate me because if you think about it now, like hitting – if you had a baseball bat from your high school years – let's say like the 80s or whatever and on like the technology has evolved so much behind those so I'm like does it almost hurt you to hold on to these for a long time because technology changes or do these clubs like literally not change and you're pretty much just as you grow you get new ones I I think it depends like what I was saying earlier it depends on the club that you're using with a putter yes the technology is getting better but putting is all about confidence so you could putt with a fucking hockey stick and if it really putts then that's all that matters and it's kind of the same way with the three wood too for example if you're using a driver you would not want to use a driver from the 80s or even from technology from 10 years ago because it's progressed so much that you want that distance, you want to hit it as far as yeah. possible. But like I was saying, with a three wood, you really just needed to go the distance that you needed to go to kind of fill those gaps in your bag. And right. It's about confidence again. Hitting a three wood off the ground is something that a lot of people struggle with. And so if you find a club that works for you, then that's the club you need to stick with. But I would say with irons, you could not keep wedges or probably irons because you would just break down all of the grooves. And that's really mm-hmm. important. And then technology with the driver is important too but the only two clubs in the bag that you'd be able to keep for a long time would be your putter and your three wood that is so interesting to me sorry everybody who was bored by that talk but that was just like in my brain (laughs) mind-blowing no I love talking about equipment and it's really cool because I work with club champion and I get to see how everything reacts and all the different equipment and there's so much that goes into and all the technology and everything behind it so we can definitely spend a lot more time in future episodes talking about that but you know what we have to talk about because I can't go a golf episode without mentioning his name Oh. Our boy Bryson DeChambeau is back at it. <laughs> I, I he, sit at the edge of my seat for his stories. I'm like, what is it now? He he's such an interesting person. Like, there's just something about him that's just not like 
all there. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> Bryson had, you always just have these weird interview clips coming out from Bryson. And he had one about blacking out and how he's been working out so hard that he works out to the point where he almost blacks out. And it was the interview clip was very odd and it could be taken out of context, but he's been working with long drive champion Kyle Berkshire to get more swing speed. And Kyle's a beast. If you have watched any of the long drive um, tournaments on TV, he is the best that's doing it right now. And he swings so hard and so fast. So they've been training together, working out and they didn't share all of their secrets, but one of them is that they're working out to the point of blacking out. And Bryce was talking about seeing a tunnel and he hasn't quite blacked out yet, but that's all they ever talked about. So is this a humble brag? Is this like a, I train so hard that like I almost black out, but then it's like, I look at his body and like two, not two convinced. matching up together. Yeah, not convinced. Yeah. And whatever happened to him being sick? Remember when he played the Masters and he was yeah. like, "Oh, I'm I, I I'm I can't stand up. I'm dizzy. I feel so sick. They're taking blood work, and no one ever found out what was wrong with him or what was not wrong with him. I heard something that he said that there was low testosterone, which some people are hinting at that allegedly that means that he might be using steroids, but that, again, is just a rumor. Yeah, allegedly, I mean, that, that, there's going to be so much allegedly around him because he's and just he so I, opposite of golf. And at this point, it's like, is he fucking with us? Like, <laughs> he has to be fucking with us. This is not real life. Like, I, I, I can't believe that he can seriously do this interview. It seems like a parody. Like, I, like an SNL skit. Is he for real? Is he actually for real? Like, that interview talking about blacking out seemed so fake to me. I read the transcript, and I was like, he's joking, right? Like, that, this this is a joke. Like, the, people are making fun of him. He didn't actually say this. And he did. Yeah. Like, it, it, again, it kind of goes back to, like, my juju philosophy where I'm like, are you just saying whatever just to see who talks about it just so everyone's talking about you? Because it works. It works. We pretty much talk about him almost every other podcast, maybe even every podcast. Like, or is that genuinely his his thought process in life? And he thinks he needs to share it. <laughs> I, I, I honestly think that he's being 100% serious. There is no sarcasm, nothing at all. That is how he thinks. And I think he genuinely finds it interesting. And I think he thinks that other people are going to find it interesting too. One thing about Bryson is that people say he is extremely smart. So maybe mm -hmm. he is just so much smarter than all of us that we think that he's, you know, being stupid, but really we're the stupid ones who aren't keeping up with Bryson. <laughs> well, yeah. And we're, we're going to talk about this in a little, but like now tapping into like the mind of like Tiger a little bit with his documentary, I'm like, Golfers are, you guys are all brilliant. You're brilliant. Everything you do is so, like, locked in. It so, depends. So they always say that to be a good golfer, you have to be really, really smart or really, really stupid. So it's either one really? or the other. Yeah, you can't, be, you can't be in between. And I think that's where I kind of sit. Because I am not at the point of, like, a Phil Mickelson or a Bryson DeChambeau who they're so, their brain works in such a way that is analytical and it's never their fault because they've calculated everything and they've done everything they need to do and the way they think about it in such a unique way 
that other people can't even comprehend how they're thinking about it. The way they calculate the wind and the elevation and this and that and all these other factors come into play. And so if they do miss a shot, you always hear Bryson go, oh, I didn't calculate that correctly, but it's never on him on like what he's doing as a golfer. And then you have someone like a Tiger, which we'll talk more about later on, who is was trained to almost be like a SEAL, like a Navy yeah. SEAL. Yeah. And they have blinders on, and they say he was almost like in a trance. And the way he's so obsessive about the game that he thinks about every little detail. And then you have players on the other end of the spectrum who don't give a shit about any of it, and that helps them because they don't have anything in their mind. There's no excess information all they do is see see shot grab club hit shot that's it that's all that's going on and that's kind of where dj falls where he doesn't think about too much he just thinks the shot at hand he pulls a shot off and that's it and a lot of those players are really good because they don't feel the pressure that much because they don't overthink it too much right i was kind of in the middle where i wasn't analytical about it and i also had so many excess thoughts in my mind that I couldn't quite process them correctly. Right. So that's where I sat, where I would overthink a shot and then I'd blame myself. So you either had, like I said, you either be really, really smart or really, really dumb to play the game of golf. How interesting. Well, we covered a lot of the lighthearted stories of the week at Kapalua, but we had something happen with Justin Thomas. He let out a homophobic slur after missing a four-foot putt. He no. called himself a fucking and then used the F word. And I it was, can't. It was caught on the hot mic, and after the round, he apologized, and this was his apology. He said, there's just no excuse. I'm an adult. I'm a grown man. There's absolutely no reason for me to say anything like that. It's terrible. I'm extremely embarrassed. It's not who I am. It's not the kind of person that I am, but it's unfortunately, I did it, and I have to own up to it, and I'm very apologetic. Like I said, it's inexcusable. I'm speechless. It's bad. There's no other way to put it. I need to do better. I need to be better. It's definitely a learning experience. I deeply apologize to anyone and everyone who I offended, and I'll be better because of it. So first off, good on him for apologizing. I want to say this before I get into the meat of the controversy i don't believe in cancel culture i don't believe Mm -hmm. that justin thomas should be canceled i feel when you do that it never turns into a learning experience for the person that is being canceled and you lose focus from what really matters and that is teaching people that this is not okay to say at first i i was offended by it um being a part of the lbgt Q plus community, it was something that really hit me hard and a lot of my friends are gay. And Mm -hmm. I was mostly saddened by the reaction from people in the golf community. They were defending Justin Thomas. They were saying that it is just a word and they were being homophobic Mm -hmm. by defending a homophobic slur. And This is just as bad as calling a black person the N-word. It is unexcusable. You should never defend it. And it's just not okay. And we talk about growing the game of golf and having it be inclusive. This is the 
absolute opposite of that. It's the worst possible thing that he could have said. And people were defending him and saying he didn't even have to apologize. He 100% had to apologize. And you should never defend that word. It is a word that should never be used. And a lot of people were saying that because Justin Thomas called himself that or the golf ball that, that he didn't say it to a gay person, that it was somehow okay. Hmm. No, that is not okay. It is not something that you should say in any case or any situation. And a lot of people were also saying that it was in the heat of the moment. When I am under pressure or if something happens or if I miss a putt, my first instinct is not to say a racist or a homophobic slur. And the fact that he said it so easily and freely means that he has probably said this before quite Mm. a lot. Again, that is not a word that I would ever go to. And I think what made it so bad is that in that moment, he was so upset and he thought of the worst possible thing that he could call himself. And he chose that word. Right. And... Another thing that was also a bit upsetting, again, people were saying it was in the heat of the moment. Maybe I would, again, I'm not condoning ever using any homophobic or racist slurs, but Mm -hmm. let's say in the heat of the moment, this is golf. This is fucking golf. You miss a putt and you say something like that. It's not like he had to run down the field or run down the court or he had to get ready for the next play. He literally stopped what he was doing and walked to the next tee box. And in that moment, he didn't have any, didn't look like he had any remorse on his face. He didn't think that he fucked up. And I feel that he apologized and he felt bad, not because he said it, it's because he got caught saying it. Yeah. That's a hard, it's hard because I never want to like neglect an apology because no matter what, you're, you're admitting that you did something that wasn't lining up with like just humanity you know what I mean so it's hard for me to like fully agree that oh yeah is it just because he got caught but at the same time like there's just so many other words to use in frustration that like it's like Why I have was a hard that time the one because... that he went to and again right. it, it, it he it slipped out of his mouth so easily I would be shocked that was the first time he's ever said that word in his entire life that would be an odd word to just randomly say in the heat of the moment but I like do understand at the same time like listen he picked to be on a stage like he's picked his career so when you pick that you can't totally justify you know, like, oh, this, or, like, I meant, or it was just the ball or whatever. It's, like, no, if you're picking to be in, like, the limelight, then you need to know that you're going to be, like, kids are looking up to you. You're, you're going to be setting a standard. So, it's, like, I extend grace in the sense of, like, it sucks because has do other people say that in their house and, like, have no repercussions? Absolutely. Do I condone it? No, but people say it and not, they don't get a slap on their wrist or they don't get cancel culture. So, it's, like, I do, I have a hard time with that because I'm, like, other people are saying it and I'm not saying that's right. But at the same time, like, he picked his career where you can't make those mistakes saying, like, those things at that extreme. Like, that has a lot of longevity with it that can, like, that has affected a lot of people in the past and even in the present. You know, it's like. And I'll I'll give him a lot of credit that he did own up to it and he has not made any excuses. 
And I don't want to be too hard on him until I see what he does with this controversy. Right. I would love to see him donate his check from that week to an LBGTQ plus foundation. Like the Trevor Project would be something that he could do. Really anything that he can give back. What was also saddening was that there was no really social media response about it because Justin Thomas is universally liked. Mm -hmm. And this happened before with Patrick Reed, who a lot of people dislike, and he was destroyed on social media. And I I think about this too. If it happened to you... Like a play, like a like a Bryson DeChambeau. I think right. he would have been instantly canceled, and that's also not fair too. You can't pick and choose totally. what's okay and what's not okay just because you think someone's a good person or a bad person. Again, it goes back to the people defending what he was saying as that people who are offended by this are soft or are snowflakes. No one has to endure abuse. And if you can refrain from saying a couple words that are deeply offensive to groups of people, then you should be able to do that. It is not making other people weak or soft or snowflakes. You're just being an asshole if you can't do that. And a lot of guys who are straight were saying, I'm not offended by this. Well, of course you're not offended by this. And also the apology does not need to be accepted by you. It needs to be accepted by the LBGTQ plus community. And they need to be the ones to accept the apology. So it's really hard for these guys to really understand the magnitude of that word. And like you were saying earlier, this tends to be a word that people have thrown around a lot. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of even my guy friends say it, and I'm always quick to kind of stop them and ask them why. And they're not – I don't feel like they're saying it in a way that they mean it. They don't understand the magnitude that this word holds to gay people. I was talking to my friend who is gay, and she said, when someone says that word, most gay people kind of tremble in fear because someone has said that word to them, and then they are attacked. It's followed by an aggressive move or a further action that causes pain. And so Justin Thomas probably just said this to say this because maybe his friends say it all the time. Right. Or, you know, it's just said in passing or it's just become a word that holds no meaning to them. But it, it does hold a lot of meaning. And I really hope that he learns from this experience and that other people learn from this experience and know that that word is just not okay to say. You can't yeah. say something like that and expect it to not be offensive to other people. Totally. Again, it's like no one's asking for Justin Thomas to be canceled. I think that we're asking him to learn from this experience and to do something with it. So I'm excited to see how he can use his platform to elevate his voice because there is no voice in that community on the tour or really in male sports. This is a really big problem. When you look at um, female sports, there is a huge voice there and they've done a lot of really great work, but it would be awesome for Justin Thomas to educate his fans and people on tour and that community about why this is a bad word and why it's negative from his eyes and his ears and what he has learned through this experience. Right. So I again, I don't want to be too hard on him because I, I want to see what he does how he helps how he grows from this and how he is better in the future because another a lot of people have also said that Kobe Bryant said this word in the in the past too and he used it to really become an ally for that community and he learned Mm -hmm. from it so I'm hoping that the same will happen for Justin Thomas but this is a very important conversation in male sports 
But I really want to get into the Tiger Dock because that has also been a controversy in the golf community. So it's been receiving yeah. a lot of criticism. And I think something that's interesting to point out is a lot of people in media were able, in golf media, were able to view this before um, mm. anyone else. And I really, really dislike that because Golf Digest, for example, they wrote um, an article critiquing the doc, basically saying it's BS. Tiger's agent came out and said this is not great. It's it's salacious. It's not, you know, anything that is the truth. It doesn't paint him in the right light. But Golf Digest needs to be transparent in that they have a partnership with Tiger Woods, an exclusive partnership. Yeah. And also, you know, a lot of people don't want to say anything good about the doc because you want to have that hopeful ability to connect with Tiger in some way or not. And you never want to upset him at all. And you want to maybe, maybe I can get an interview with him. Maybe this guy, maybe that could happen. So I think a lot of people are always scared to speak out and say something that they do like it or dislike it. But um, I, I enjoyed it. I watched part one. I I haven't seen part. Yeah. I just want to know just before we get in all this. So Tiger had no idea this was coming out or like had an idea, but like couldn't stop it. Like what? So, can you, just can we set I, it up for anyone who hasn't seen it yet? Because I was going in thinking it was gonna be like Tiger's face, and I have not seen that. So I have heard mixed things on the talk, the doc from the very beginning. Um, a lot of people were saying that Tiger was like gave a full send off, and he was like, "Yes, I agree with everything. You guys do what you want to do." And then I've heard he's had no involvement. He doesn't want any involvement. Um, he doesn't agree with any of it. So it's really hard to know what's the truth and what's not the truth. Right. And I don't even know if his team has seen it or has watched it. It's just really hard to tell what is true and what's not true. Right. And again, there's also people saying like. The people who are in it have not that close of a relationship with Tiger Woods. And then some people are saying they know him better than anyone else. Right. So you're getting both sides. And I think that's the hard part about this doc. It's either people love it or they absolutely hate it. And there's no one in the center. And so you can never really get the true information on the truth or if it's not the truth so that's been what's been really difficult and that's what I also disliked the fact that the media got it first because I think Mm. they kind of shaped the narrative around it instead of having people watch it first I will say that I think everyone would like it to be more like the last dance with Michael Jordan being involved in it but that's never going to happen I don't think Tiger Woods will ever sit down and do a tell-all interview about his life I just we'll never see really that. i don't because like i could see it as doing i mean um lance armstrong like his 30 for 30 was like amazing and so that's like literally what i was expecting so just again for for anyone who hasn't watched it yet like it's 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 basically everyone in his community as like a childhood for episode one coming forward and talking about you know the pressure from his parents and the and his like dating life is huge part of this and i it just i don't know like can I ask you how you feel about his dad, Earl? So a lot of people really disliked it. I felt that it made you sympathetic towards Tiger and it gave you a better understanding into his life. And I don't have any negative opinions of Tiger or of Mm -hmm. Earl Woods. If you are given a child with that amount of talent, any parent would want to raise that child to be the best that 
they could possibly be. And if you have someone who is literally the best at what they do, you're going to make sure that they don't fuck up with relationships or that they're that they're always focused on what they're doing. You could say that he took it too far, but I think it's because he cared so much and or that maybe he put too much pressure on Tiger. But I think anyone in that situation probably would have done the exact same thing. I mean, Tiger Mm -hmm. was a phenom and he was bred to be a champion from the very beginning. And with Tiger, I mean, of course he's going to have issues. I mean, it's like growing up in that environment to see the fame that he had from such a young age. I mean, he's always been in the spotlight. He's never had a normal life. And I'm sure looking back, I don't think he regrets it. I think he's probably so thankful that his family has given him this life. And of course, there are up and downs. I mean, I can even say that with my parents. There's things that they've done that maybe I don't, I didn't fully agree with a couple years ago. But now looking back, I'm like, wow, I'm so happy that they did that. And they were just doing their best. Yeah. But it was very interesting (sighs) to see. And I, I, part two must be very salacious based off of what everyone's saying, because I thought part one gave a really good insight into his life and the decisions that he was making. And I felt that people were being, even when all of this was happening, I thought people were were too hard on him. You look at your own life and things that you've done. No one lives a perfect life. We all make mistakes. Right. And it's not Absolutely. like he, he like, killed someone. He, he cheated. And yeah, okay, I'm not condoning that. But at the same time, it's like a lot of people cheat in their lifetime. And probably, well, probably 99% of the people have, have done something bad in their life. And so it's not fair to sit on your couch and, you know, make this guy out to be a monster when I don't think anyone could have handled that any better than he has. You look at these massive celebrities like a Tiger Woods or a Michael Jordan or even in the entertainment industry, you see those young child stars like a Justin Bieber. They always have some kind of part in their life where they're struggling and they have to overcome it. And I think that's really great. And I, I wish people didn't condemn them so much because that's what makes them real and that's that's what makes them relatable the fact that they can falter and then overcome that and become a better person and goes back to what I was saying with Justin Thomas too and let's get rid of canceled culture let's help these people because you don't know what they're going through I don't think any of us could handle being in the spotlight never having a second alone can you imagine never having a second when you walk out outside just being swarmed by people all the time and having these expectations on you It's insane. Yeah, I get it. I mean, at the same time, like, I don't condone cheating. So it's like, you still got to, like, own up to mistakes. I don't think he should be canceled at all. But I think it is really interesting just learning about his dad and how his dad used to, like, literally have affairs in front of his son at the golf course. I think that was something that, like, kind of brings a lot of light to a situation of just, like, he saw that at a really young age. And then, like, he ended up doing that in his marriage. and, And I don't know. For me... Basically, so for everyone listening, at the end of the episode, the girl from the club in Vegas, I don't really know what she was or who she was. She sits down and goes, where do you want me to start? Hmm. And so we're going to get a lot from this next episode. So I'm excited to talk about it next week with you. But I want to know just overall. So you are a fan of this documentary and you, like, or are you not? Like, Because I know you're saying you could be – there's that spectrum right now. Where do you I fall don't... on that? I don't think it was great, and I don't think it was bad. Um, okay. A lot of the information that was in part one – is has been out there before um i thought they did a good job of kind of bringing it all together Mm -hmm. and again you feel sympathetic towards tiger and his family and everything that they're kind of 
going through. Um, I don't understand the criticism yet, but I have to see part two because obviously that is yeah. <laughs> that that's where everything kind of goes wrong. So that'll be interesting to see that. But I don't understand the criticism right now or why people are so against it because there's been a lot of. Um, books and docs and everything about Tiger and a lot of the information was just recycled. So um, there was hmm. nothing groundbreaking or all that new about it. Um, That's so interesting for me. It was like all new. All and I'm new, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm very against this documentary right now. Why do you dislike it? I just like, I don't like when people are speaking stories and the person is not there to tell like his side. And it's on him, I guess. I'm Obviously HBO was like, do you want to come and talk? And he was like, no. But at the same time, I'm like, I just don't like that for me. But I'm still watching, and I can't wait to see next week's episode. Like, I think I have a lot to learn about Tiger, and I am learning. So I, I do like that aspect, and it's interesting that it is recycled information because, to me, it's all brand new. But I don't yeah. like it. Yeah, I, I will say that it's always weird when you see, like, childhood friend. Like, yeah. I yeah. If my childhood friend was speaking on me now, I don't think it would – how would that have totally. any, you know, how would they know all of that stuff about me or like my inner workings of my family or any of that stuff? And yeah. it almost seems a bit self-serving for those people to be, you know, on the dock. But I, I don't think any of them were lying either. There wasn't any signs that, you know, I was like, oh, that person's fabricating or that person seems like they're, you know, making it up. I mean, most of the stories you would not want to go on record saying. So, yeah. you know, again, I go both ways, but you're never going to see Tiger sit down and talk about that. I could see him talking about obviously winning the Masters again and making a feel-good story, but I don't think he'll ever talk about the actual controversy, and I don't think Elon will ever talk about it either. I think they just both want to move on from it, and I think that's why Tiger's team is probably upset about it. It's like, how many more times can we talk about the same thing that happened? You know, let's move on from it. It happened. Why do we have to keep rehashing it? I'm just already having anxiety for next week's episode. Yeah, that's the one I'm, I'm definitely nervous about. I think that it's going to be very salacious. Um, I, I don't, I, again, I don't know how it's going to be, but that's probably where all of the criticism was coming from. Um, We're going to have to regroup for sure after that one. Definitely. But this was a, a crazy week in golf, and a lot happened, a lot of good and a lot of bad, but it was, at least we have something to talk about. <laughs> Hey, you know, sure. <laughs> it's like, oh man, we've had a lot of highs and lows. A lot of highs and lows this week. A lot of highs and lows. So let's get some feel good vibes with Dax and Matt. They're going to come on next. They're going to talk about trophy smack and they're making the coolest trophies out there for losers and winners. I can't wait to have them on next. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen seems like an easy choice to be columbia pfg has you covered with their Castback tc shoe its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot say fighting a fish 
not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. two special guests today dax hole and matt walsh co-founders of trophy smack and we were talking about this and it was a brilliant idea so how did you guys meet and how did this all come about well actually it wasn't our wives have been friends since preschool uh they go way 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 back and so it's really we owe our wives the uh, (laughs) the respect for introducing us and then uh you know, and then Matt came up with this idea of kind of changing the game when it comes to trophies. He was, I'll, I'll let Matt tell the story. He tells it way better than I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think in terms of uh, recognizing the wives, you know, what they would want instead of a trophy is for us to stop working on trophies and, and spend more time with them. But it, it's been uh, it's been a really crazy last month. But uh, yeah, so when when Dax and I first met, right. We just had our uh, our first son, and, and Dax had, had his daughter, and we got together with just a play date. And Dax invited me into, uh, uh, as, as we became friends, he invited me into their fantasy football league. And I am notorious for just having an addictive personality and taking things way too far. <laughs> I've avoided fantasy football. I just knew, like, all right, this is one thing I just don't need to add on top of everything else that my wife is uh, annoyed with me about. Um, and uh, I thought this time would be different, right? This is just, you know, it's casual. It's the dad friends. And the first Sunday watching football after, you know, joining fantasy, it, it changed everything. It's, uh, my, my wife likes to say I, I pulled a bait and switch where I'm watching seven hours every Sunday now. So I took things to the extreme, which, which you know, everyone can expect that, that knows me. And making it into the finals – uh, first year playing as the new guy, I thought, oh my gosh, I've got to get the most ridiculous over-the-top trophy <laughs> I could find. Credit card out, Google search, you know, ridiculous fantasy football trophy, huge trophy. And and there was nothing there. It was all just kind of the same generic 10, 14-inch trophy. So I said, okay, I, you know, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. It's it's time to to jump it headfirst into this thing and start our own. <laughs> That's incredible. And your trophies are, I was looking at them, insane. It's they so are good. Insane. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's yeah. what I want to hear. That's We want people to search and go, I wanted the most ridiculous trophy, and I found it at Trophy Smack. Are you, you guys, come up? 
Oh, I was just gonna say, are you guys' wives like ever sick of you guys like being so into sports that you guys created this to be like, hey, like it's for business. It's for business. Like it's not anything where they have to be like, okay, fine, watch your game. Like I feel like there's strategy behind this. No, I do I do feel that we get a little more lenience because when we say we listen, this is we need to be involved in the fantasy world. We have to go do conferences with other fantasy, you know, uh, industry right. professionals. Like, so we get some leeway, but there is a certain point where it's like, all right, guys, uh, three games on the weekend. Like, you need to kind of take the kids for a walk around the block now. <laughs> Such a hands-on dad. I'll go for a walk for twenty minutes. You got it. Yeah. Twist my arm. Yeah, right. my, my wife saw it coming from a mile away. She's like, okay. I see where this is. Now that you're in the business, now you have to watch football more, right? right. So um, we've almost got a chess game going in our house where, you know, she's got the kids wanting to not watch football, right? <laughs> she, the kids are like, no, we don't want to watch football. So this season, I actually started a fantasy league with the kids. We called it the, oh. the Pokemon Fantasy League. Oh, fine. We made, we made a custom Pokemon trophy for the kids. So the, the chess game is now the kids are like, yeah, we want to watch football because we want to see if we're going to win. So it's 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 a fun back and forth. But but at the end of the day, family comes first. And the trophy business is just a lot of fun that, every you know, it's all hands on deck in our house, you know, with the, the kids and the wives all helping out. So. So good. How do you come up with the trophy ideas? Oh, that's the best part. That's yeah, I was going to say, that's the best. That's what we have the most fun at doing. Yeah. <laughs> It's like we, we have an idea and we're like, okay, now how do we take it over the top? So like, yeah. you know, for example, I think we have the most fun coming up with our loser products. Like winning <laughs> products are fun, but like loser products are even more fun because all you want to do is just humiliate the person who came <laughs> in last. And so like it started with just like a toilet topper on a trophy. And then we're like, no, we got to make this more. So then it became a toilet seat that someone could actually wear around their head. And we're like, we don't wanna make it like just a, a cheap plastic. We wanna actually, we're gonna get a actual toilet seat and we're gonna print all over <laughs> the top of it and make it look like it was in the grossest, dingiest gas station bathroom. And that's what the loser has to wear around their head. And it says, I, you know, fantasy, fantasy loser. So like, that's what we have fun. And so like Matt and I will spend hours just creating this stuff and then, and then you create, and then you, you know, we get it, we get it sourced and get it marketed and boom, it comes to life. Matt, do you still have one behind you? Yeah, I was going to say, I have, I have the toilet we created, the toilet seat because <laughs> I lost our lead. So that is incredible. Is That's the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's got all the vandalism you'd expect, all fantasy related. And guys, I lost the league I'm in with Dak, so I'm, I'm wearing it this <laughs> and I'm screen grabbing this moment right now yeah. and sending it to the entire that league. Reminds me, league reminds me every day. That's what makes fantasy so fun. Is I, I have to own my loss. That is the most amazing thing I have ever seen. You guys were on one of my favorite shows, Shark Tank. How was that whole experience? I'm dying to know. Pretty surreal. Like, I, I think that that's the one word that I can kind of sum it up is it's just surreal because it's one of those shows that we've watched for years. I mean, Matt is, you know, a serial entrepreneur. So that's like runs in his veins. <laughs> and But like getting out there and standing in front of the sharks, I think that moment I look back and I'm like, you know, I'm looking around. I'm like, I see Mark Cuban. I see Barbara. I see, you know, Demon. It's, that was really, really cool. But then to actually watch it back uh, on Friday was is crazy because it's like you almost kind of black out certain moments or you, you know like when you're in the moment of it and then 
getting to watch it was really cool but i know matt has a whole different experience for me my, my experience was dax you know we like to joke dax has got the ten thousand hours of on-camera experience that that's his background i've got the entrepreneur startup i have zero seconds of on-camera experience <laughs> so you know pitching in a boardroom and it sells like i'm very comfortable but this was so different that I, I was practically watching it for the first time on tv i mean I, I went through the motions it was muscle memory but i i mean walking down the halls it was just like ah! <laughs> do they just tell you like go and you walk in and give your pitch or is it kind of like you stop and you go because it seems when you're in that moment so pressure packed that i know i would fumble over my words i would be shaking i would not be able to handle it well yeah i would i would say that it's definitely like the doors open you walk in um but all you know they're they've got a hundred percent focus on you they they've got a lot of questions they're throwing at you um because they just want to get to the bottom is this a company that they want to invest in and i would say you know matt kind of jokes about him not having the ten thousand hours but i would say three seconds into that he was on his game you know because then it was just a board meeting for him and it was I need to answer these questions. I think the big thing that's going through the back of at least my mind is like, don't say something that's going to be a negative to the sharks. And yeah. so that's constantly what you're thinking is like, okay, I need to present this company really well and I need to get them interested, but I don't want to get to a point where they they take what I said and use it against me. Did you go in thinking I want one of the sharks more than the other or you were just like, we'll hear everyone out and pick from that? Yeah. Yeah, we didn't we didn't have a favorite at all <laughs> <laughs> i mean no one lines up with our company perfect like let's say a, a mark cuban, mark cuban. Uh, yeah. sports <laughs> and awards and recognition business yeah no we we played out every scenario of how one shark would would work with us and, and we played yeah. it all out um and, and we we really did go in there looking to to get a deal we want we wanted that strategic partner with the shark um, but you know, we, we accepted the offer that was, that was given to us for a reason. <laughs> Mark was really intense. Were you like shaken at all or nervous oh, or were you just like, this is the best moment of my life. <laughs> um, it, Dax and I have two very different experiences. I, I was rocked by the on the spot. Tell me now. Um, you know, we, we had a lot of time with, with, you know, the quarantine to, uh, and, and before getting onto the show to really think about, okay, if they say this, then we're going to say that. We had everything planned out. But once once Mark said, okay, I'm out, like all of that poof, was just out, out of our out of my mind. So it took me a while to like get over like getting pinned like that. But at the end of the day, he knew that he was the right shark. So there wasn't a reason for him to, you know, give us a chance to negotiate and hear out other offers and, you know, ask for, for a lower percentage because of this reason or another. So um, I was rocked, but, but Dax was like, Matt, snap out of it. We got to deal with Mark Cuban. <laughs> yeah, I would say when you watch back the show and you hear him say, I'm out, you can see like the blood leave both of our faces because <laughs> that was a big moment. Like, you know, it was one thing when Damon said he was out and, you know, he had his funny story that went along with it. And we're like, okay, we get it. Um, but to have Mark say he was out. And then I, I think both of us were like, oh, wow, we didn't expect it. Yeah. And then he like kind of came back in and, you know, and wouldn't even let Lori talk. And I think that was also like, he really wants this. And it was, 
you know, it, it was an intense moment, but I'm glad it happened. And I, you know, listen, we're, we're now business partners with Mark Cuban. It's crazy. So how, what's next steps for you guys now? I mean, you have the most amazing business partner you could have possibly asked for. How, where do you go from this? Yeah, I think what we've done in the, in the three years of being in business in fantasy sports, bringing to the scene these new over-the-top trophies, we're looking to leverage that in kind of all aspects of, you know, any industry or any company or individual that wants to celebrate greatness and have something that's bigger and more in your face, it applies, it applies to anything, you know, whether it's a, a top salesperson or, um, you know, uh, a, a bachelor party, we can make custom fun in your face products for any occasion. I love it. I get a lot of DMs from people looking for fun bachelor ideas and, you know, probably trophies are the next thing. So where can we find you guys? You can find us at trophysmack.com. Uh, and, and you know what I was going to say with the bachelor party gifts? Uh, not even bachelor party, just like groomsman, groomsman gifts. Yeah. We, <laughs> yeah. we came up with these amazing customizable rings. And so they look like championship rings, but you can get your buddies' names on them. You can get your buddies' faces printed on them. You can get your <laughs> face printed on your buddies' rings and give them to everyone on your wedding day. I mean, it's really, and we've got also a championship belt that we're just about to release. It's also customizable. You could put your face on that you could put it you could make a golf championship belt i mean you can really make anything and that's why we're kind of trying to broaden out to let anyone who wants to be a champion customize that perfect award for them so trophysmack.com or a loser i mean you or always have to be a winner you want to rub it in, <laughs> rub it you in your buddy's win, face you lost if you didn't win you lost <laughs> we've got we've got the greatest products for that well, you guys are awesome. I I can't wait to get some trophies, loser and winner trophies for my friends. I think Tori and I talked about doing Fantasy League next year. So I'll be definitely buying from you. Thanks again for hopping on today. You were a blast. Thanks, Paige. Hit us up when you need something. We got you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. Okay, so Dax and Matt are awesome. That toilet seat trophy might be the Hilarious. best thing that I have ever seen in my entire life. I, it, I just could have sat and honestly listened to them for a, a while. Like, I feel <laughs> like they just had, like, like that best friend, like, bromance chemistry. I know. It's what we all strive for. But they oh, we were, all strive. They were so cool. So definitely go check them out. What an episode. Tori, what an episode. I was so excited because we had so much to talk about, but oh, I'm, I'm exhausted from yeah. talking. No, talking, like, feel, like remembering talking about the Steelers feels like last week. It <laughs> feel like last week. Like, I feel like we've already healed a week later. Oh, my gosh. You know what I'm dreading? The, your Bills team now? I don't know. Wrapping this episode up because I can never do it properly. I stress the entire time about wrapping this episode up. But I want to thank you guys for listening to us. Email us any TNA questions at PAR at iHeartRadio.com where you can send us a DM at the Playing Around Instagram account. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can catch us wherever you find your podcast. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And that is it for today. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.